Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Welcome to the Foul Front Outdoors Waterfowl Podcast, where our goal is to recruit and educate new hunters while entertaining the rest of you. Without new hunters and the mentorship of those more seasoned, this passion as we know it faces an uncertain future. So get the word out, turn the volume up, and enjoy the show, because you're on the foul front. And we have the best sponsors for this podcast. I'm telling you, Dive Bomb Industries is giving us 25% off today only uh, with the promo code FOULFRONT25 or FOULFRONT25, all under case, one word. So go ahead, do not miss out on this opportunity. That's 25% off. You can get into a lot of decoys um, with that kind of discount. This week's episode is brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the fastest growing, most affordable decoys on the market with unmatched customer service. Visit them online at divebombindustries.com, on Instagram or Facebook at Dive Bomb Industries. Or go ahead and give them a call anytime, seven days a week, at 314-322-7468. And go ahead and use the promo code FOULFRONT, all undercase with a space in between foul and front, for 10% off your next purchase of Dive Bomb Decoys. This episode also brought to you in part by Hunt Hickory Creek. And new to Hunt Hickory Creek this year is their Central Kansas Lodge. They're going to be running hunters from the end of October all the way through January. And their main hunting area is located between Kavira National Refuge and Cheyenne Bottoms. Now, Central Kansas is a special place for waterfowl hunting. And during the peak migration, these refuges hold hundreds of thousands, if not close to millions of birds at one time. So for your chance of a hunt of a lifetime, head on over to HuntHickoryCreek.com. Because if you're going to hunt Kansas, hunt Hickory Creek. Hey everyone, Austin here with Colorado Custom Game Calls. Are you looking for a duck or goose call for next season? Are you a budget hunter? Well guys, let us know over here at Colorado Custom Game Calls. We provide high quality calls at affordable prices. We are budget hunter friendly. Whether it be the colors of the resin, the colors of the band, do you want something in your call? It's your call. You get to build it from the ground up. So guys, make sure you go check us out on our Facebook and Instagram and on the web at coloradocustomgamecalls.com. And on today's episode, we're really getting into the significant others, the the real heroes behind the hunters and, you know, the people that allow us to be successful or enjoy our passion out in the field. 
So, without any further to do, let's let's get into it. The women behind waterfowlers episode. Did you know that tagging migratory game birds after you harvest them is a federal law? Did you know it's being enforced in all 50 U.S. states and Canada? Well, Toe Tags LLC has just a solution for migratory game bird hunters, a waterproof tagging solution that meets all federal tagging laws. With several options of tags and custom tags available, this is perfect for all hunters. Whether you're an outfitter or a weekender, for just a few cents a day, you can ensure you're in compliance with the law. Contact Toe Tags LLC at www.toetagsllc.com. Hey, I want to tell you about a hunt logging system that my friend Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting has created. It's a site called Freelance Hunt Stats. At Freelance Hunt Stats, you can record information from each day's hunt, which allows you to remember what took place each day, and it also helps you improve your future hunting success. It's easy to use, it tracks game totals, weather patterns, shooting information, bird averages, and a lot more. So go to FreelanceHuntStats.com and create an account to start logging your hunts today. Also be sure to head over to DocsOutdoorSupplies.com. They've got tons of motion decoys and anything else that you need to be in the outdoors. So for your 10% off, use FowlFront18 at your checkout at DocsOutdoorSupplies.com. All right, so today we've got Lydia Skeen, and Lydia Skeen is a freelance uh, social media um, guru. Is that the is that the correct word, Lydia? I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So, Lydia, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you came to be on the show today? Um, I'm I'm Lydia Skeen. Um, my husband is Wade Skeen. He's probably a m- little bit more well known in this waterfowl world than than I am and maybe hunting altogether. But um I occupation wise I do social media, um freelance work, anywhere from creating content to strategy to um managing communities. So the whole nine yards and it all started off with, hey, would you help me with my Facebook page? And <laughs> yeah, so um, he got me that way and um, and with the camera. And uh, so like waterfowl is a whole new world to me altogether. But um, Wade has literally dunked me in head first. And so you do social media stuff and you do some pretty darn good photography I've seen. When, hey. did, you, when did you get into that? The camera sat in my closet for about six months, and um, Wade went out to the field one day. I think it was like in 2017. It was yeah, 2017. And uh, a little backstory: we are black lab rebel. He's four years old. I hated him for three years. You hated um, him? <laughs> yeah. More backstory, because there's a legitimate reason, and it all kind of it all goes together. I promise. Um, so when Wade and I first got married, there were deployments, um, kids, and then we got orders to Hawaii five years over there. And so I knew hunting was important to him. I just didn't really fully grasp like the depth of this crazy obsession, but it wasn't always duck hunting or waterfowl. It was always deer. So, um, so like waterfowl still just super new. So his last deployment, um, 
he deployed in December and I was pregnant with our youngest one, Jonas. And sorry. And Jonas was born three months early. He weighed one pound, 11 ounces. And healthy as a horse now. He's hell on wheels, full blown pistol. But at the time, that's super scary. Yeah. So we get through this first year of life, really not knowing where, what's going to happen. You know, what is our future going to be like with this, with this little guy? And um, so Jonas had just turned a year and Wade mentioned something about a dog. And I, I, the first time he said something, I blew him off because I was like, surely, surely, you know, the stress of all of this has not gotten him to that point. Like, he's not that crazy to want to add a puppy to this chaos, you know, like <laughs> the second time he mentioned it, I was like, is this code for divorce? Because this is what we're looking at if we're getting a puppy. <laughs> and I, I, oh, no, absolutely no way, no how, nah, not happening. Well, then Izzy, our oldest, she, she, she suckered me into it. I said, fine, but I'm not feeding him. I'm not watering him. I'm not taking him out. If he barks in the middle of the night, I'm kicking you. You're going to wake up and you're going to take him out. If he's having issues during the day while you're at work, I'm calling you at work and you're going to come home and you're going to fix it. And I think one time during those three years, I let him in one time when it was snowing outside. I put him back in his kennel. So then, um, so fast forward to 2017, um, Wade's like, come take pictures. And I was like, you want me to come take pictures of this dog I don't even like in a wheat field? Are you crazy? Okay, we'll go. And I got super lucky, super lucky and caught some fantastic shots. But I also saw a different side of this dog that I'd never seen before. His, just his drive, his intensity, his focus, like his purpose in life. And I was like, holy crap. You are a good dog. Okay. All right. That's so awesome. now, yeah. So that moment kind of opened up our whole little world. Um, and I, Wade's a really good master planner, so I think it's all part of his plan because during this time as well, Wade came to me and said, hey, um, if I don't take over this Ducks Unlimited chapter, they're going to have to fold. Do what? I was like, what do you mean they're going to have to close the chapter down if you don't take it over? Like, there's got to be somebody else. Like, we have you, we have a toddler and this new dog, and, and now you want to you wanna do this? Oh, I knew he was really crazy at this point, but I was like, okay, that that's fine. So we, we got that hashed out and now here we are some five years later, four years later, and we're all in Ducks Unlimited and on boards and traveling and going and doing and meeting awesome people. And I have four labs sitting in my living room right now. <laughs> Wow, quite so, the uh, quite the turnaround um, on the on the labs and the dogs and um, all the hunting stuff. So, when did you uh, first get exposed to hunting? Um, 
my first like true exposure, I guess, was whenever Wade and I first got married. Um, I we went and plotted, uh, did deer food plots, and um, that was about it. I think I climbed a tree stand about ten steps up, um, and that was like the same weekend I found out I was pregnant with Izzy, and I just felt super sick. So I got right back down and headed back to camp. And that, and then right after that, we had Izzy. Then we moved to Hawaii, and that was about it. So, the first seven, eight years of our marriage, like I knew hunting was a big deal. I just did not understand how much. Like, I, I didn't get it. I didn't. I don't think it's quite fair, honestly, because he had this hidden the whole time. And you know, it's like here we are. We've been married 13 years now, so yeah, about eight years into our marriage, I'm just now learning how serious this is. But um, so the first time I was to actually ever went duck hunting is when my old college roommate and her husband came up from Louisiana, and um, I I didn't have waiters or anything like that, and think I I think I had just found Wade's receipt for some waiters and about lost my mind on that because I just, <laughs> again, lack of exposure. Right. And uh, so I layer up. It's January. I layer up in five layers of sweats and leggings and sweatshirts and hoodies and and knee boots and off we go. So um, we go down to the Arkansas River. I'm sorry, Arkansas River. And um, I go in the P-Row with the decoys. And this is at the point in time where I still really didn't like Rebel at all. And he gets out in front of me. And I'm not sure if it's his fault or not. But he was the last thing I saw before I went underwater. And the first thing I saw when I came up out of the water. So I literally got just dunked in cold water. Um, but it was cold. big. They were very nice and gave me all their jackets. I haven't griped about the price of waders since. Um, I have to make sure wades are all good and patched up because that was that was uh, that was cold. That was that was very cold. But um, oh man, for sure, Kansas in January. There. Yeah, but I had my little phone camera and um, I just took pictures and videos and like, I had the the best time. It was so much fun and so like. I finally got it watching the, you know, the geese work and the ducks work. And like, I was like, I don't even practice for this stuff. I don't even look forward to this kind of stuff. And my heart's pumping. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is really cool. I get it. And then seeing Rebel just sit there just in gridlock, it was, I didn't know he could be so still at that point in time. And so it's just like really just fascinating and fun. And I didn't have to be quiet like I did in the deer stand. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's my whole introduction to hunting and waterfowl. So where are you at today now? Or do you go out and do you hunt yourself? Um, you know, do you, uh, how, how frequently do you get out? Um, as often as we get a sitter, and it's usually just to take pictures. Um, I usually just go for turkey hunts with Wade and our, and our daughter. Um, mm -hmm. I've usually stay home with the kids um and way goes and hunts he's up two three a.m getting ready to go 
pulling out chainsaws if there's ice stuff I, at this point I'm just not very interested in <laughs> yeah <laughs> no matter how good I, that picture might be right um, right one thing that you you had mentioned before and it really caught my attention was unfair uh, you you know you guys lived in um, uh, Hawaii for seven years and there's not a lot of there's some some access hunting. Um, there, but as I understand it, there's not any way, there's no waterfowl hunting or anything like that. Um, and it's something that I think comes up frequently, especially when, uh, someone gets into waterfowl hunting or, um, maybe they repress their, their waterfowl hunting for a while while they're, um, you know, dating or courting, uh, uh, someone else. And, right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, it pops up and there's this new mistress um, called, you know, hunting, waterfowl hunting, and now they have to share time with them. But uh, it, it's funny because that that similar something very similar happened to me uh, and my wife, um, where you know I didn't know that I was that big into waterfowl hunting, and then it kind of just happened all of a sudden. Uh, she she knew that I was big into deer hunting and all that stuff, but yeah, it, it was one of those things. Did you see? Um, when you guys were living in Hawaii, was there was there any differences in Wade between you know him not being able to hunt that much to now him being able to hunt uh, quite frequently? There was a little bit. I mean, uh, he's so knee deep in it now. Um, he golfed. That that became his big thing when we were there. Um, he he sold all of his hunting gear, all of that before we left. Um, and so he, you know, he got some good golf clubs and he played golf every Saturday. Um, so and while he liked it and it was something he enjoyed doing, nothing I have ever seen him take to, as far as like, you know, extracurricular activities there's nothing that compares to duck hunting or you know just waterfowl in general um even even deer hunting um i i don't even think he bought deer tags last year um it's just somebody who just he doesn't stop with it like (laughs) it it goes it's like the song that never ends but like I mean, I'll never forget the first time we went out scouting and looking at land and he went and knocked on, you know, a landowner's door. I was like, you're really going to go up there? Like, you're going to not, like, you know, like, do you have a death wish? Because I don't get this. Like, you just don't go and knock on people's doors, you know? Like, that was, like, still just just a new concept. And, and I thought it was just kind of, you know, his family – um, had farms and he grew up in a farming community. And so I, I, I just thought that's just kind of what he did. You know, I didn't, I'm now learning that that's kind of like how most people, I, I guess, or, you know, those that get access to, to land do it. And so I just didn't realize it was that common. I just thought that was just something that people from, you know, the backwoods of Mississippi did. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but so I just I just didn't know, and um, I also didn't know uh, any. I didn't have any comparison as to how much he hunted or how involved he is in this whole world, 
until he added me to a few social media groups. And um, boy, my eyes were <laughs> open drastically whenever they were saying, you know, they hunted an average of like, I don't know, 10 days a season or something like that. And, and weights like 40 or something. I don't know. It's like, I knew you went a lot, but now I know what the average is. I have something to compare it to. And okay, this is, I'm not crazy. It is a bit much, you know, but, um, you give and take, you learn to, you learn to compromise and work it out. So not, neither one is, you know, shafted, I guess, or gets the short end of the stick. Yeah. So what's the, what are some of the hardest parts about being married to, uh, a diehard waterfowl hunter and, you know, how do you cope? Yeah. It never stops. It never stops. Um, Excedrin migraine is great. Um, especially when they're learning, you know, practicing calls and stuff. Um, on, I just give and take, you know, like the biggest thing was, you know, Jonas was a very needy baby. And so my only thing was whenever he went duck hunting was that be home by around lunchtime because that's the time he goes down for a nap. And that's the hardest part was getting him down for a nap. And by that point, I was just done and just exhausted. And so I would literally just hand him the baby and say, just put him down for a nap. I don't care if you go to sleep with him. If you do, great, because you're out of my way now and I can get things done that I need to get done. And without, you know, you over here, you know, saying, why are you doing it like that? And because I do things very unorthodox and it drives him nuts. Um, so, but anyhow, so that, that became our biggest, biggest compromise from the, all, all the bat was just come home by this time. If you're going to be later, let me know. Um, that kind of deal. And he was really, really, really good about it. Really good. Um, and anytime he went, he goes scouting or he's going to, to a, uh, DU meeting or whatever. He takes Jonas with him. Um, and it gives me, you know, some reprieve to kind of do what I need to do really quick around the house or if I need to go do some errands or whatnot. Um, so that's, that was kind of, you know, been our, been our trade off. And so, um, he just, and he has no problems when he's really good. And I, I do a lot of craft stuff and woodworking too. And yeah. so I got my power tools. He got his gear, you know, so, um, n- n- our only real squabble right now is possession of the garage and making oh. sure that one person has their stuff cleaned out at the end of the season in a timely manner. <clears throat> Wait. Oh. So, <laughs> um, so that the other can can use it for their stuff. So yeah, man, that's that's uh, that is something that I don't have to fight with, and I'm, that's I'm very happy for that. At least I guess um, yeah. is that that garage is mine. Like that is about the only oh. part of the house besides this one particular room in the basement that uh, is my sovereign territory. So the garage is my sanctuary, and um, I, I lose it during the the fall and winter. Um, that's okay. Um, I tend to paint more during that time anyway. And so, um, so yeah, he, it's, it's full of stuff at this past year, for some reason, it seemed like just the gear stayed in there 
forever. And if it wasn't the gear, it was, you know, we had, you know, merchandise being shipped in for these DU events and boxes upon boxes. And, and I, just, I remember one day just, I sent him a text message and I was like, Hey, uh, don't be alarmed when you come home. Your decoys are out in the yard. I didn't tangle up the whatever they're on, their weights and the strings, the rigs, I guess that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I didn't tangle them up, but I, the frame's out, everything's out. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, I'm not going to freeze. I was like, okay, good, but we got to get this under control. So that's my, that's my only qualm is get the gear down to the basement when the season's over. That's funny. So time and gear, right? Yeah, <laughs> they they will encroach everything. <laughs> yeah, and do a budget, do a budget, do just a bu- budget yeah. to spend the money on the gear. Like that, I guess that was something new I had to adjust to. Was um, because I, you know, I thought, you know, why do you need twelve dozen decoys? Aren't three enough? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. but I now know different. Yep. Or at least, yeah. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about some of the, you know, the worst or hardest parts um, about, you know, living with a, a waterfowl hunter. Uh, what are some of the best parts? Um, I feel like I've been let in on this secret world um, that is just full of amazing people, honestly. Like this once. I guess once I got into those Facebook groups and saw what, you know, that these were genuine people, they weren't people just trying to, you know, gather up a bunch of friends or whatever. And they were sincere and they were honest, um, brutal at times, but it all came out in the wash that, and then just (laughs) seeing my kids, um, like (laughs) Jonas just a little bit ago, we had that, we had a DU event last night and, um, it was kids, kids weren't allowed to go. It was in a bar. So of course they, they couldn't go. Mm-hmm. And so Jonas, he made himself an invitation to the next party <laughs> and we had to roll it up and staple it. And, um, we're going to put it in an envelope and it's to ducks unlimited. And that's for his ducks unlimited party. Oh <laughs> Yeah, and so, but seeing, like, Izzy, she she loves to turkey hunt. She loves it. Seeing her get excited. She got her first gun for her birthday. Uh, Jonas, good Lord. Whatever his dad's doing, he's doing. I have a picture of him about 18 months old, old, and it it captures Wade's to a T. Jonas has a cell phone up to his ear and a duck call in his mouth. (laughs) <laughs> and that's way. And so just in, you know, now the dogs, now that I absolutely love all the dogs. Um, now I can be open and honest about it. Now I don't have to be in the closet with my love of the dogs now. Um, gotcha. <laughs> so, and just like how it just, it all comes full circle and just, um, being a part of something that's so much bigger than myself is really cool. Awesome. What would be your advice 
uh, to a young man or woman that uh, whose significant other has recently gotten into waterfowl hunting or um, they're in some of their early years of their relationship with a waterfowl hunter? Um, for the person who's not familiar with it, ask questions. And to the person who is familiar and has the experience, be, be willing to answer. Um, even sometimes it felt like I didn't even know what question I was trying to ask. But Wade was Wade is very good at explaining things to where I can I understand them, um, and I can you know have a, a I guess a a vision of what he's talking about without having to ever experience. And I think one of the greatest parts was whenever I first started understanding like the mechanics of duck hunting and, you know, water, ice, the layout of the land without ever being there to see it. And, you know, asking about rebel and his work and, you know, things like that. It was, um, I was able to, chime in on the conversation a little bit more. And that was super rewarding for me because I felt like, you know, I could contribute to more of it. Um, and we could have more conversations about things other than dishes and laundry and grocery list and kids. I think that's the, that's a really cool part about, you know, once your significant other gets a little bit vested interest in, you know, what's, what you're doing out there is that they can be like, Oh, hey, you know, I see that this weather pattern's coming in, you know. Does yeah. that mean you're going to be gone this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Like- oh, wind's coming out the north. I know what that means. You know, yeah. and it's uh, – and it's or he'll make a comment about, you know, oh, you know, it's starting to snow in the Dakotas. Gotcha. Roger. I know what it means. Okay. You know, so it's like uh, – it's just cool whenever you start to kind of – I wouldn't dare say that I know the lingo and can use it, um, but I understand it, and that that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And then, so your your advice to the hunter to Be keep a painful. copacetic, yeah, to keep a copacetic uh, um, relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, and and nine times out of ten. If we're asking, it's simply because we just want to be a part of that world. It's so if we're not asking, I think maybe that's when you need to kind of reconsider, I guess, um, who your significant other is. Uh, Maybe I I, I don't want to be giving up marital advice or things like that, but you know, to show genuine interest in one another's passions. especially when it consumes so much of your, your life or your extra time. Um, just, just know that these silly questions we may ask, or we might, you know, poke fun of you and call ourselves, you know, waterfowl widows or whatever. We're just trying to be a part of that world. So just be patient with us as we try to figure our way out, figure where we fit into that or, um, or is it going to be just a boys club? Um, you know, is it something I'm not, you know, the, the counterpart is not going to be a part of, you know, so just communication about it and just ask questions, patient being and answering them. And just, that's pretty much it. Like, um, 
that's all you know that's the only yeah. thing i could really come up with you know and compromise figure out what works for you yeah it's it's you know it's the same thing like it, if you're keeping someone in the dark about something they're going to just kind of assume that you don't want them to be a part of it and if they don't want if they know okay well that's his thing that he wants me to stay out of whatever and then it's actually going to make your time probably a little worse because then it's going to be like oh hey when are you coming home you know um you know absolutely that's all it's going to turn into is is when are you hunting and when are you coming home or your friend calling you saying hey man i think this is your shotgun i found on craigslist is your wife mad at you (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) Okay. I don't speak from experience with that, but I'm just saying, you know, that's where it could lead. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm sure it's happened. So oh, I don't I I I don't I don't doubt it, and especially you know the many years ago, and now that it's becoming you know, I guess more acceptable to see women hunting and things like that, and in this industry, um, maybe it's probably not so commonplace. But I imagine there once was a time. So how do kids change all this? You know, um, what, what, what factor do the kids bring into this dynamic between a man and a woman and waterfowl hunting? Now you add children to it. What is it, you know? Um, I don't, I really can't speak about before, but I do know that they dictate everything. Um, I don't believe I've, uh, Maybe once or twice I've had Wade really reconsider like the location of where he was hunting or maybe change the time of day he was going either because Jonas was sick or I, you know, was up all night with him um, for one reason or another. Um, And that would have been like in the, in the earlier days. Um, But they, they add a whole nother dimension to it that's really hard to describe. Um, you, I don't want to say that there's like um, that non non people who aren't parents aren't ethical hunters or anything like that, but you double check to make sure your gear's in good shape, that it's working right, that, you know, your gun's not going to get stuck or whatever. You know, you, you go through all these extra layers of, of precaution because there's so much more at stake if something happens while you're out on the hunt or, you know, if any, you know, gosh, the possibilities are endless. My mind's racing just thinking about it. And I'm going to have a panic attack because, no, no wife ever wants to go there, but um, it's you just more cautious and more deliberate with how they spend their time um, when they're scouting or talking to people or wh- whatever, whatever they're doing. If they're anything, you know, it's just um, if Wade wants to go down and practice, you know, calling in the basement and Jonas is not having it or he's wanting to do it with Wade and Wade can't really get a good session in or whatever it is, um, you know, he has to kind of stop and reevaluate. Or if he's trying to teach me or trying to teach Izzy, you know, it, it changes the, the plan and the layout of, 
you know, how he goes, goes about it. So I just, on so many different levels, they affect so much. Um, but I, I think that they add a level of just intent and being intentional with every single thing because they know they're being watched too. And they know that, you know, five-year-olds have questions you would not even believe when it comes to ducks and hunting and the mamas and the babies and the daddies and which ones, you know, did you kill and things like that. So um, it's, you know, not sugar-coated, but it's not, you know, you you just have to be very cautious in your tales. And it, so it, just everything from how you retell your day in the blind to how you're working with the dogs to everything. They change everything. <laughs> I think you said something about how your kids are really good storytellers and it's always way better to hear their version of their dad's hunting trip. Than, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, I've actually, I have several recordings of Jonah's going on about how Wade is not training the dogs right. And it's hilarious. I can't um, tell you how much I would pay you for those. <laughs> I might just send them over for free. Woo. It, it, it's about, it's 10 minutes long and I was rolling and, and then just, yeah, it, it, and he's so matter of fact and just, you know, but you, you know, it, he's repeating bits and pieces of what he has seen his dad do. Or, or me do because I know I get out and train with the dogs too. Um, and so, um, or what Wade has talked about and stories he's told of people he's met and things like that. And, and their memory is impeccable. They will remember stuff that you, little details that you didn't think were really important. And they'll bring them up and just like, where did that come from? And so it just, yeah, it's funny what they pick up on out of your story as the important factor. And it's something that you didn't really, that I guess as an adult or in the story or whatever, it was just kind of didn't really think anything of it. It wasn't a, a big detail. Um, right. So, yeah. And so to hear them recreate the story based around this one little detail that was just mentioned in passing and they hold on to it like it's life and work their story around it. It's really, it's really funny. That's awesome. So what are some of your favorite memories slash uh, stories of hunting and the outdoors that you have um, just that you can, you know, your favorite memory? Um, I've one was definitely falling out of the Piro. Um, There, I mean, it was cold and shocking and hilarious at the same time. And I and still had a blast. Um, and then during that same hunt, I caught Wade um, on video sliding down like this, the heel. It was all mud. And he just like hopped down on that hip and slid right down like he was some, you know, youngster sliding into home plate. And I was like, whoa, where is he? It's like, the, like that, that one always kind of sticks out. And then, um, gosh, <laughs> the first time we ever took 
Jonas and Izzy hunting. We went and sat in the woods near some water. And Wade trying to tell the three-year-old, hush, hush, you've got to be quiet, hush. And Jonas is over there in the paint wiping it all over his face like this, daddy, like this, daddy, 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 can I blow this one? And just, oh, and I'm sure you've seen some of the pictures on Facebook where Wade's like sitting there looking at him like, kid, you've got to be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Those and um, this past Easter, um, our good friend, you know, so we don't have grandparents very, very close. So um, babysitters, just not, you know, we have have them for few occasions, but we're not going to go drop the kids off at grandma and grandpa's house so we can go hunting or whatever. So, but, um, we have some friends, um, that do ducks unlimited with this. And she was so sweet and offered to come over at 5 AM Easter Sunday morning. So I could go out and, um, sorry, I always do this with the kids. I don't know why not him, but the kids (laughs) anyway, um, Izzy's first turkey hunt with her new gun um she got her her first gun for her birthday and so it was so painfully cold that north wind remember that yeah it was blowing good and it was oh and i got this one picture of her and her eyes she's all bundled up and you can only see just a little bit of her eyes and her eye just one teardrop falling not because (laughs) Because it was so cold, her eyes were watering. It was just miserable. But um, it just seeing her get excited and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's I don't ever really think it's about the hunt or anything like that. I don't think I've ever been on one with that one hunt when I fell in the water. Um, they got some geese. But, um, yeah, no other. We've, I've never been on like a hunt where anything was actually harvested except for that one time. But so, yeah. Um, a lot more about watching the kids get excited and the dogs get excited. Um, man, they're like having little kids too. Whenever Wade starts pulling out all the gear and things like that. So yeah, that's, just that's the, great. yeah, the anticipation, I guess. I think it's pretty cool that you get to, you know, I think some moms, they let, they let it all to, to dad or whoever the hunter is. And, um, like, they kind of miss that part of their of their kid. They maybe get to hear some stories, but they never get to go out and truly see the you know their kid in nature and, and what that you know means to them. Yeah, and and, the, and they become different kids once they're out there too. You see, just like this sense of wonder that is just uh, really just incredible. You know, just it's kind of a breath of fresh air, if you will, you know, just to see them, um, kind of, you know, exploring and looking and asking questions and, and, um, hearing, you know, the conversations going back and forth. And so, yeah, it's just, it's super cool. Awesome. Awesome. So, well, what are the big plans coming up for this, this upcoming season? You got any at all? I just want a new camera now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, um, I know wherever the wind takes us, I guess. um, I I try not to really plan anything other than uh, I 
just know he'll be hunting a lot and hopefully maybe I can get out and uh, get out there with him more all so right. than I do now. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, that, uh, that about wraps it up here, Lydia. This is, this was good. Uh, I really appreciate, uh, is there anything that you- No, I'm just super appreciative that, um, someone finally asked the wife's advice. <laughs> oh, and I, this is my biggest piece of advice that I almost completely forgot about for like the new couple. Um, find a local DU chapter, Delta Waterfowl, whatever organization it is that, you know, the, uh, National Wild Turkey, whatever it is, join one of those because that's where I have found more spouses like me who support their husbands. We enjoy hearing the stories, um, but we don't always get to be out in the field. Um, but so finding women with that same common ground um, or some that hunt and some that don't, some that want to, some that can't, some that don't care, but they just like spending time with their husband. So they come to these things together. Um, to the new couple, find one of those and you'll find people who share your same heartaches and your same joys and all of that together. That, that's been a huge, huge, huge blessing for me. Awesome. I think that's that's really cool too. And I, I'm pretty excited to take my wife to her first DU or uh, event here this upcoming fall and because she, she's finally, you know, showing some interest in it. And I, I think she'll think it's completely uh, – I think it will be eye-opening. It will be. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Ben, yeah. so hey, much. Lydia, look forward to seeing you this fall. So Yeah, I'm, definitely. I, definitely. We definitely will. I know. So Right, right. on. Well, thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. Okay, so in continuation of this episode, I have probably the most important guest I've ever had on, uh, at least the most special guest that I've ever had on, and that's my wife, Natalia. Nice. Yeah. Good work. (laughs) How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. Haven't seen you in like five minutes. I know. It's been a while. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. What do you think of this whole podcasting thing? Well, it uh, it's interesting. I, I it seems to have really have taken off, has taken off. So that's a good thing, and it seems like you're getting lots of good listeners and lots of lots of good people on here. So that's always a good thing. So I noticed you just recently popped up in the uh, Facebook listeners group. Yes, I am a new member. <laughs> yeah, is that enlightening? Kind of. Yeah, I didn't know it was such an active Facebook group. <laughs> What do you think of all these decoys floating around now? Oh, my goodness. Well, I do like the ones that don't like – they're not like the full decoys. They, they look like the, the 2D ones, whatever those ones are the called. The dive bombs? Yeah. They don't take up as much space in my garage or my storage room. Oh, hey, there's another selling point. <laughs> yeah. And just as a reminder, <laughs> if you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> we do have a 25% discount code. If you're listening to this, not when it came out, it's probably way too late because it's only for 24 hours. Uh, but if you're listening to this today, um, what is it, uh, August 6th, you know, until about 8 p.m., you you know, central time, you can get 25% off. But, all right, moving into the rest of this. So what was your first experience with duck hunting? 
With duck hunting, definitely when you started, maybe whatever, five, six years ago, when you started duck hunting um, in uh, El Paso, you really didn't do much duck hunting, I don't think, until until five, six years ago. It was mostly deer hunting, pheasant, all that stuff. So that was really our my first encounter, and I think you started going towards duck hunting because there was no deer hunting down there for you to do. So I think that's kind of when you picked it up, and um, quite a bit different than deer hunting as a from a spouse perspective, that's for sure. And I don't know, you seemed to enjoy it. You seemed all, all the friends you took out uh, to go duck hunting seemed to enjoy themselves. So just turned into a hobby and a lifestyle for you, I guess. And uh, what? So what was the first experience you had with hunting in general? Probably when I met you eight years ago. I mean, no one in my my family ever hunted. I think my dad might have gone pheasant hunting like once, but never. I mean, really didn't talk about that even until until he met you and talked to you about hunting. That was when I found out he went hunting one time. <laughs> um, but other than that, I had a few friends here and there that were hunters in high school, but nothing really, you know, too big. Nothing, nothing too involved. I guess, I guess you could say and. Uh, until I met you, I really didn't know a big time hunter. I really didn't. Okay. And so you've been out before yourself, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Um, which one you've been out both deer hunting and duck hunting. Yes. Uh, what else, what else have you hunted? Uh, <laughs> squirrels, squirrels <laughs> and, uh, pheasants, right? Yeah. Oh yes. Pheasant hunting that. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little scary for me. I know. But, uh, I'm, I'm still sorry. <laughs> just say when you take your wife out pheasant hunting, make sure that she's not angry at you. <laughs> make sure you stand behind her. Yeah, or stand behind her. Uh, or, you know, maybe take the time and teach her some proper... Uh, anyways, continuing on. <laughs> but you've been deer hunting. You've actually yes. shot a deer before. Uh-huh, yeah. So um, that was exciting for you, right? Yeah, very exciting. I, it was the the first time I realized how um, what's the right word to use? How I, I was just amazed at how much I liked it. I've, I've never seen myself as a hunter. I've never categorized myself as a hunter. Um, but I finally kind of understood that adrenaline rush you guys are always talking about. I finally understood why you like to hunt, why you love to hunt. It gave me a little bit of the, you know, just a perspective of kind of, a, of what you do out there. You're not just slinging beers back with your buddies, just waiting for a deer to prance on by and shoot that, you know. <laughs> it's a lot more constructive. It's a lot more thought out, lots of planning. Um, so that it was, it was nice to finally see what the hype was all about for you. But it wasn't enough to make you wake up every morning. No, no, that that three o'clock, 3am wake up call was certainly, uh, one of those things that, no, I am not going to get out of bed every morning for that (laughs) at 3am. Uh, let's talk about kind of your experiences in duck hunting so far Mm -hmm. and kind of, uh, I guess we'll just start off with, so we already talked about the very beginning. Was there a difference in, you know, the deer hunting perspective or the no hunting. Cause there was a year there where I didn't even go hunting at all mm-hmm. just because of work mm-hmm. and, um, what I thought was limited opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the biggest problem or not problem, um, difference, you know, 
from maybe having a husband that hunts and that one that doesn't hunt? You're home a lot more when you don't hunt. I mean, I think that's a given. But I, I think you were a little bit more antsy that year. You know, I, I think hunting kind of gave you some kind of, you know, relief. It was, I, I know there's a lot going on with hunting, but you always seemed a little bit more relaxed when you got home, when you were able to go out, be, be in nature, be around your friends. Um, so I think that was probably the biggest, biggest difference. Uh, hunting, it was definitely some, one of those things you could channel all of your energy towards. So that, for me, that was probably the biggest difference. Okay. Um, let's talk about your first time going duck hunting. Cause I know that you gave me so much crap for like, Oh, now you're a big, big, bad duck hunter now. huh? <laughs> and you, you, I feel like you like deer hunting more. Like you would, you wouldn't give me any crap if I went out deer hunting every weekend. Well, because when I, when I, when you initially think of hunting, especially from a family who didn't hunt at all, the first thing you think about it is deer. And so when you started duck hunting, I truthfully did not even think you could hunt ducks. I had no idea waterfowl hunting was a thing. I really did not. So, so to me, like hearing you hear, hearing you say that you were going to go duck hunting, I remember just being so, I guess, just kind of thrown off. Like, what are you going to do with ducks? Like, how do you hunt ducks? There's... They're constantly just flying around, you know, you're going to see one, it's going to be gone in a second, there's no way that duck's flying back over, you know. So to me, to me, I just remember thinking like, well, I don't think this is going to last long, and here you are, five years later, still doing <laughs> it, still talking about it, so. Right, and more than ever. Um, Absolutely. So, your first time going out to the river, mm. walk me through that little experience. Okay, it was not a little experience, quite quite a big one actually. Um, so we were at, in the Rio Grande. Well, we were going to the Rio Grande. Um, so we were driving on the interstate, and we quite literally passed the border, you know, the, or the exit to go off into Juarez, Mexico. So that was kind of <laughs> interesting. And this is also at three thirty in the morning. So uh, I just remember going. We got up to the huge wall, huge, you know, huge gate. Um, to get in and out of Mexico, and we just, there was the gate, and I remember maybe 20 or 30 yards to the right of it, there was just this, like, little, like, almost garage door type looking entrance type thing, and I remember thinking to myself, like, there's no way that's where we're going, and that's where you pulled your truck through. (laughs) I felt like, oh, dear. And so we started driving through all the sand hills and everything like that, and you can, like, see the, like, border patrol rakes, like, through the sand and stuff like that. And I just keep thinking to myself, like, there's no way we're supposed to be here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so we just kept passing Border Patrol cars, and they kept, you know, either waving at you or not doing anything. So I said, well, it must be okay to be here. So uh, then we finally got to our stopping point. Um, I remember it it was kind of cold. It was very cold that morning. Yeah. Um, Was it, like... December or January? Uh, gosh, I don't even remember when it was. I just remember it was cold. and I mean, for it to be cold in El Paso, it it must have been around there, too. Right. Um, I remember getting out then, and we took Winnie with us. Uh, and then you set up your blind. I was on the tumbleweed duty. Yep. So I got to pick those up. Those were, those were huge in Texas. I mean, I, I could pick up one or two at the most. And I did that while you uh, threw the decoys in the water or placed them or whatever. What do yeah. you call that? Um, and then, so I got the duck blind ready. You were off doing your own thing. Well, I think people are thinking, uh, 
tumbleweed duty. What do you mean? Oh, so I was getting the tumbleweeds and placing them around the blind to kind of camouflage the blind because that's yeah. how you camouflage things in Texas, in El Paso. Yeah. Yes. Tumbleweeds. Yes. That, that's what you had available to you as far as camo. <laughs> so I had a bunch of those around. Um, and then you finally got done uh, setting up the decoys. Winnie and I waited for you in the blind. <laughs> uh, kind of kept warm. Made a little bit of breakfast with your little, what is it called, jet boil? Yep. Yep. Ding. Plug for jet boil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it, is this why you had me on here? Just shameless plugs? for Yeah, of okay. course. Okay. Well, yeah, so your jet boil, that was very handy that day and actually made me not grumpy because I was not hungry after my, my breakfast. Um, and then we just basically waited around. We watched the sunrise. I was so surprised that it got colder as the sun was coming up. And then you kind of explained to me why that is. So that made sense. But I thought for sure I'd get a little bit warmer. Um, pretty sure we didn't see any ducks for a little bit. So Winnie and I took a nap in the truck. Yep. And then you went to you went to you came to get us maybe around seven thirty or so. Uh, we sat back out. Then the ducks were really coming at coming at you guys at, at you and um, definitely didn't get that sense that I got when I was deer hunting. But I still did have a better understanding of why you liked going out there and what like brings you into duck hunting. It's mm-hmm. very. It's much more interactive, I think. You're not just, um, I mean, f- for you, I know most of the time, I know most of the time, um, well, now I just lost my train of thought. That's no, okay. <laughs> I was talking about deer, ducks, yes, ducks. And then most of the time, something. <laughs> okay, oh, yes, that's what I was talking about. Deer, you're more watching them, you're kind of analyzing their patterns, you have game camps you know throughout the long game right it's definitely the long game and it's more i feel like it's more of like an accomplishment when you finally catch your your big doe or buck or whatever you're following around but with deer or with ducks it's just kind of like well here's another 10 of them flying in let's try to get one of those you know but there there was definitely a cool you know sensation when you did shoot one and you know had to when he of course wouldn't get in the water <laughs> so you had to kind of jump in there and get the ducks but um i remember you did shoot a very pretty one i can't remember what it was uh was it the it pintail was. or the mexican duck uh, no it was the mexican duck that yeah. i was yeah that was you like a, the pintails no i do like the pintails but i think the mexican i think that was the first mexican duck that you had shot yeah and i remember you being really really excited about it and i mean especially when they're they're mounted like this one they're i think they're very pretty yeah yeah. Which one is this your cinnamon teal? Cinnamon yeah. teal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there were some ducks that came in before sunlight. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the best way I can explain it, I remember sitting in the blind and I just heard these like bloomp, <laughs> like this bloomp noise. <laughs> and I just started laughing and I asked, I was like, what is that noise going on? And you told me that it was ducks basically hitting the water. Yeah, because they couldn't see the the water line. Yeah, they were just. I mean, they they come burning into the <laughs> into the water. Just, you know. So to me, that was so funny. But before you explain that, I imagined a duck, you know, like literally cannonballing into the into the water, like grabbing its little legs or whatever you call them. Yeah, and just like kind of <laughs> cannonballing into the into the river. So I had a really good laugh about that. Maybe it's because it was four thirty in the morning, but I had a good laugh about it. Good. Good. Didn't we get checked by the game warden that day too? Yeah, yep, definitely did that too. Um, 
but I think she was very impressed. I, I feel like they most of them probably knew you out there by now, or yeah. I don't know if there's yeah. the same people that come out there and chat. Yeah, but, it is. Yeah, but I mean, she she went straight up to you, and I mean, you guys had a little chat. She checked everything. Everything was was cool, and she just said, "Have a good day." So I said, "All right, well." <laughs> At least we're not doing anything illegal, so yeah, exactly. that's always a good thing. Exactly. So, all right, kind of moving on, you know, through the um, through the years, uh, I guess it were. Um, what is your experience in interaction now with duck hunting? I mean, I don't have much. Just I'm more talking about like you know, okay, the wake up, and then you know, when all the boys get home. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, so it was a little bit different than me actually going out. With right. you guys, you'd have your three or four guys coming over to the house at 2.30 or 3 in the morning. You guys were always pretty quiet in the garage, so I, I didn't really have to deal much with you. But one time I was awake when we rescued that dog. Oh, yeah. And I was up at 4 in the morning with, with the dog. Um, but it's just it was just funny to see you guys because it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Everyone still looks like they should probably be in bed. Their hair is all you know going different ways and... Um, <laughs> you can tell that they just woke up like five minutes ago. Yeah, they, none of my friends wake up early. No, and, uh, no, definitely not. And so, I mean, it's just everyone had their coffee ready to go. Everyone was, you know, counting decoys, lining them up, talking about where to go, how the day was going to look like, who was going to be the, you know, set up the decoys, all that stuff. And then I, I would have the house to myself for a beautiful seven or eight hours. And then you guys would come traipsing in around noon with your dirty boots and <laughs> smelly selves and come home, grab a few beers, get out on the lawn and start, I don't know what you call them, call it when you start. The breasting birds. Breasting birds, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you guys would sit down and do that for a good while and then just go from there. Okay. Um, so here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. How many decoys do you think that I own? Oh, geez. Well, like in general or purely just Total, ducks? all decoys. All decoys. Oh, my gosh. You can just say it in dozens. In dozens? Yeah. Six dozen? Six. Okay. Not even close. More? But, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, do you ever – what? do you ever wonder, like – I know you always ask me, like, Ben, how many times are you going to lay those decoys out? Or mm. Do you ever wonder, like, what I'm doing when I'm doing that? <laughs> No, I try not to ask because I don't. I just, I know that you're analyzing something and it's, I mean, it keeps you busy. I mean, I just say go for it. But now that we're on here, why do you do that? Oh, um, well, I mean, I like being prepared, Mm -hmm. right? I don't like to like be out there and like messing around with like decoy rigs, you know, like Mm -hmm. the weights and the lines. Um, when we're out in the dark, I like to be able to just know that they're all ready to go mm-hmm. and I just grab them and, you know, like Max or Justin, they can just like mm-hmm. get them from me and boom, we're good to go. You know, See, what I now mean? that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Or me. I'm cleaning them or I'm checking the rigs. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Just getting things ready to go. Well, then that makes a little bit more sense than just staring at them. Yep. Yes. But at any rate, um, what else do you think? is something that let's say a gal is listening to this and you want to tell her because her husband or boyfriend or or maybe you know it's opposite Mm -hmm. you know who knows yes um what would you what's the biggest piece of advice you could give them 
Oh man, don't listen to when you say you're going to be home. Like don't don't have a hard like time in mind when your significant other is going to be home because it's not going to be right. And don't plan anything immediately after they go home from hunting because either they'll not show up right on that time or they will be extremely tired and want to fall on the sl- fall asleep on the couch for three hours. Yeah. So, so I just so my advice to those who are hunting, if you think you're going to be home around noon, give yourself that extra two hours and just say I'll be home at two, and that way if you get home at noon, you really shot it out of the water, and your significant other will be happy with you. And if you get home at two, perfect. That's when you said you would be home. But if you say you're going to be home at noon and you get home at two, most likely someone's going to get a little upset. Yeah. Like that's just good life advice too okay that's my bad so uh that's probably the one thing that i can yeah tell hunters too is be realistic with your timelines mm-hmm. i've i know even if it doesn't matter even if we're just going to be hanging out on the couch all day mm-hmm. it's still annoying to yeah i mean i feel like i've gotten used to it but especially those who are used to you know spending their whole weekends with with the other and and whatnot i feel like that's always a big big change up um I would also say that you guys spend a lot of money on your stuff up front, like waiters, decoys, um, all of your equipment. But I feel like it kind of tapers off after a while. And then yeah. you only have to get you know, new waiters every couple of years or you keep buying decoys or something like that. <laughs> right. There's, I guess there's never really a stopping point for decoy buying. but No. And also, very good uh, tidbit for anyone listening, excellent birthday christmas father's day gifts you yeah. always get a guy a dozen decoys two dozen decoys never gonna be mad about it much easier to shop for your partner if they like hunting there's always something for them to enjoy or benefit from what about practicing calling oh man i prefer you do that in the car when i'm not in the car <laughs> it's it can be a little <laughs> Oh, I don't even know what the right word is, but it's a little cringeworthy, especially when you're not expecting it and you're close by and I don't really know that you have the duck call on I, you. I feel I feel like you have a very like big aversion to um, duck and goose calls, even when they're on the TV. I, I don't know if aversion is the correct term, but it's definitely more of that like, <laughs> it's just a noise I am so not used to. So when I hear it, I think I feel like I really pick up on it, and I really like. I feel like you can tune it out on the on the TV very well. Like if we're right. watching a show and we're doing something with with Nadine or with the dogs, I feel like you can tune it out. For me, it's just like a like a blaring horn almost, and I can't like really get around that. But I think it's just something that I just I've never been around, so yeah. I don't really. <laughs> it doesn't mean much to me, and it's just a lot, a lot of noise. Sure, sure. All right, what's the worst part about being married to a waterfowl hunter? Uh, the worst part. I mean, now that we have a kid, it does it does kind of suck to have you gone like half of Saturday or half of Sunday or whatever it is. Like, you know, when we were in El Paso and we didn't have kids yet, it was it was nice for me to sleep in as late as I want. I mean, really not do much until you got home. Um, so that, I think that's the kind of the hardest part. It's definitely not the, like, it's, 
I, th- I don't want to say like the worst part. It's not like something I dread every single time you go out hunting, but it's definitely a little bit different now that we have a kiddo at home that's, you know, so young. But, um, but other than that, I know it keeps you busy. I know you love doing this. So I, I, I've never had an issue with your hunting. I feel, I mean, there's some, there's some months I feel like you go out a lot because it's a specific season or there's, you know, there's a certain good weather front coming in that you just must go out to, you know, and so, and so that's fine. But other yeah, than how that, has your view of the weather changed since I got big into it? <laughs> I feel like I remember in, in Oklahoma, if it was like cold or rainy, I was like, oh great, Ben's going to go hunting the next day or, or something like that. Or, um, but then again, that was just time for me to lay on the couch and be lazy. So <laughs> it, sure. it didn't bother me too much, but sure. All right, what's the best thing? The best thing is that you have a hobby that you truly love, and I see how happy you are doing it, and I feel like it's an important part of your lifestyle, and I know that this is something you want to teach our daughter one day, and so for me for, for me to know you as such a good hunter, respectful hunter, and a hunter that takes a lot of pride in what you do, and you know, you love to take new people out hunting, you love to explain everything, you are very passionate about this, about this, about hunting. Um, so for me, the, the best thing is getting to see you enjoy something so wholeheartedly and truly like being in your, in your moment, in your space when you're out hunting. I, re- I really do love that part. Okay. Now you've prepared. And uh, deer jerky sticks. Oh, yeah? Yes. <laughs> you don't like the duck jerky sticks? I'm so. not a big fan of the, of the duck, but the deer the deer sticks. Now you've prepared some questions for me. Yes, I do have a couple. Okay. All right. So my first question is what is the appeal of duck hunting versus deer or big game hunting? Um, like what, why do you like both of them? Okay. So I like duck hunting and, and goose hunting because, uh, one, the preparation factor, like basically like getting together with the boys and packing everything up and, mm-hmm. Making going through all the decoys and making sure we have everything rigged right, and then we head out there together. Um, and then we've got multiple opportunities. You know, when I go out um, deer hunting, I go out and I sit up in my stand, and it's a big, long wait, wait, mm-hmm. wait, wait to yeah. possible crescendo of, uh, oh, here comes the that's the one I'm gonna, you know, take, or, right? Um, and then you know, you're always bringing something back into the house, um, that you can, you know, make. Well, you can try to to get your wife to eat, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I just like the and then the interaction with the ducks is is and the geese is really cool when you're calling to them and you know turning the motion on and off mm-hmm. and you know moving the spread around and mm-hmm. and the general camaraderie um, that you get with the guys in the blind. Definitely, cool. Okay. Um. Can you tell what certain ducks are super far away? Like, do like mallards fly differently than pintails that fly differently from Mexican ducks? Like, can you tell those far away? Yeah, yeah, you can. There, there are um, definite, uh, and in fact, that's you know one thing that everybody strives to be good at is saying, "Oh, here comes a, a group of mallards coming in." Mm, okay. um, you know, maybe maybe far, 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 far away in the distance, like. A half a mile, you're just telling that it's birds. But you can tell by the, the flock sizes or, you know, the time of the year um, mm-hmm. that it is. And, but as it gets closer, there's identifying features. Um, and the way that they fly 
Um, it, it takes a lot of practice, um, but you can pick out the you know the green of a of a mallard's head. Mm-hmm. You can pick out you know certain characteristics like you know the the redheads and the canvas backs. Um, those are sometimes difficult for people to differentiate it because they they always looking for the red of the head. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can really like, you can tell by the beak and by the the breast. And okay. there's uh, obviously you know the difference between teal. Yes. Remember the teal or the little ones? Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I did so, know that. Yeah. Okay. So well, yes, there is. <laughs> so, okay. So simple answer, yes. Okay. What is the best type of gun for duck hunting? Um, a shotgun um, is what you generally use. Um, you can use twelve gauges, twenty gauges. Um, some people even use four tens. What's that? It's just it's about it. It's smaller than your 20 gauge that you have. Oh, okay. Um, and then people use 10 gauges, which are bigger than my 12 gauge. Okay. Um, but a lot of people like to use semi-automatics, so oh, like bang, really? bang, bang, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I what kind of shotgun do I have? Mm. A 12 gauge? Yeah. What's it What? What's that? What's it called when you do this? Single, single pump or single pump, shot? Pump action. Pump action. Yeah. That's what I meant. And your gun is a... A 20 gauge <laughs> pump action pump action yep. yes yeah and um i'm buying that over under here next week mm, okay so that'll be that'll be fun you know what an over under is yes i was just trying to make a, a witty remark about how much money you spend on <laughs> hunting yeah but that's not gonna be that much so. <laughs> okay how many target dollars does that give me um about 350 okay dollars. that's yeah so that's a lot so yeah. that's good then go ahead have I have I answered your question? Yes, <laughs> yes, you have. Okay. Um, what else? Are there certain types of ducks that you are not allowed to shoot? Yes. Um, what happens if you accidentally shoot one? Well, so you know, during teal season, you can only shoot teal. Okay. Right, mm-hmm. um, and then they have limits on certain birds. Like, you can only shoot five mallards. Of those five mallards, only two can be hens. Oh. So it's not just like you can just go out and shoot six ducks. Mm-hmm. They have different, you know, uh, you can only shoot two redheads. You only shoot two canvas backs, you mm-hmm. know, that that kind of thing. So I, what happens if you, because is everywhere a six duck limit? Um, I think. Or most places? Y- yeah. And there's but different just, flyways. So just to use that example, if you are out there and you, you can't have, I mean, if, if you shoot a bird that you're not supposed to because you're with a group of people. What, what do you do about that duck? I mean, oh, what happens? So like a duck that you're not supposed to shoot at all, or you've well, shot too either, many of one, e- either duck. one, either you shoot a duck that you're not supposed to, or, or one that you've shot too many of. So it's wow. Way to bring up the moral quandary. Sorry. Um, so first and foremost, I have a, I have a way that I hunt that, Makes it so that I can never break. The, I, even if I couldn't identify the birds in mm-hmm. the air, um, the way that I hunt, it it, it, it can't happen. Okay. So you have like a system for mm-hmm. okay. So last year we could only shoot one pintail, mm-hmm. right? Well, pintails are super easy to identify, and um, once everybody kind of knows what a pintail is, then you can start you know breaking this rule. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
if the most restrictive species is, is two birds, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you can only shoot two hens um, of a mallard. Well, you only shoot twice then. Okay, I see. So that's and then so once you have those birds that. back in your hand, mm-hmm. you know um, for sure. So this is like a new person. This is what I would tell them. So next year the pintail limit is going to be two. So guess what? A group of birds comes in. You're all by yourself. You know that the most restrictive limit is two ducks mm-hmm. of two pintails. So guess what? You only get to harvest two birds at a time. So boom, boom, get them both back in hand. Oh, guess what? They're not pintails. So you can keep going. You can continue to hunt. Um, and that's a really good way for people to like start like being able to still harvest birds, mm-hmm. um, but not break the law mm-hmm. um, and not be the best, uh, basically getting practice at species identification. Right. But, you know, anymore, like maybe after your second or third season, you should be pretty good at picking out birds. Gotcha. Okay. And, um, yeah. And, and if you do um, over harvest, uh, do the right thing. Yeah, definitely. Self-report, um, you know, and uh, it's kind of a hard one to take, but yeah, it's the only like advice I can give, um, you know, ethically and morally on on air and and in person to tell you like, hey, yeah, that's fair. So, and and that's one of the things I like about you with your hunting too. I feel like you're a very moral and ethic ethically correct, you know, hunter, and you like to do. Right by, you know, not only yourself and your hunters, but also the law. So that's always, always makes me feel good. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so I did, I know that we did not talk much about my deer hunt, but which one did you have more fun taking me on? I did have a lot of fun taking you on your deer hunt because yeah, was awesome. it, it was the first time. Wasn't there like a storm? I think there was a storm, really bad storm later that night. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we were it laying was, up, we yeah. were laying up in the like in the sand dunes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, yeah, that I, I don't know. I really did like taking you out um, duck hunting, but you didn't get to harvest in, in duck hunting, you know. Right, yeah. And with the deer hunting, you got to harvest. Mm-hmm. You got to process. You know the whole yeah. thing. Like so, I think that's an important part of. Um, you didn't really take from nature, mm-hmm. um, and so you can't like fully take the experience. Yeah, it was definitely more of an emotional hunt for me that the deer hunting was. Yeah, and really. To this day, I still, I mean, I remember pretty much everything uh, from that day. Yeah, so that was pretty, always yeah pretty hard hitting day. But yes. well, hey, we'll have to get you out in that in that duck blind. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought you were going to say duck blind. I was going to say yeah. That's, oh, that's great. <laughs> well, I mean, we've got heaters now. See, now that's something that would entice me to get out to the duck blind uh-huh. a little bit more often. If there, if we were hunting around heaters and dogs, would that and be something that would entice you? Yeah, a little bit more. Okay. More so than um, than our El Paso hunt, which was still fun, but I mean, I just, I really do remember being just ungodly cold and <laughs> yeah. just, just terribly cold, but... All right, here's a good question for for me here. Uh, would you rather give up duck hunting or beer for the rest of your life? Oh, man. Really? You got to do one or the other. I got to give up the beer. Really? Okay. Yeah. Not, I mean, I guess I wasn't too surprised by, that, by the answer. I was hoping you were going to say beer, but... Oh, <laughs> I got I to gotta give up the beer if yeah. I'm going to... That's fair. Um, if you could go duck hunting with one famous person, who would you take? Oh, jeez. That is, that's a difficult question. And, uh, my goodness, I don't, 
a famous person? Uh-huh. Like how famous? I mean, enough for the listeners to like know who it is. It doesn't have to be. Okay, so I think I would famous. want to take Joe Rogan. Really? Okay. Yeah. Just, I mean, I don't know. He just seems like a cool dude, and I'd pick his brain a little bit about podcasting. I'd uh-huh. pick his brain a little bit about you know archery and UFC, and you know, I'm not too big into UFC, but no, yeah. He seems like a very eclectic, funny dude. And cool. okay. I think we'd have a good time in the blind. That's a good answer. Uh, here's another important question for me. So I know that at some point, our four-month-old daughter, when she grows up, she will go hunting with you. In about three years. Um, we'll discuss <laughs> that in three years. How do you plan on introducing Nadine to hunting? I mean, are you going to start with like... You know, some gun safety, some little guns are just around the backyard first. How are you going to start that process? Yeah, I think I think that's a good way to do it is uh, I kind of envision, you know, teaching her some, you know, basic marksmanship with the BB gun in the backyard and, like, having her own BB gun and mm-hmm. um, showing her how to properly store it in the gun safe mm-hmm. um, and how we don't touch guns or that, any you know, anything in the safe. We don't try to get into the safe. Um and basically just teaching her the, the reverence that you need to have um, when it comes to firearms and how serious they are. Mm-hmm. And then when, once we're done with once we're done doing that, I think waterfowl hunting we will take her out like on early teal season hunt um, or maybe go upland hunting out of the uh, twisted wire out of the Joneses. Um, but definitely before the hunting. Um, or alongside the hunting, be some trap shooting, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and uh, hopefully she enjoys it. Yep. And uh, get her tooting on her own little duck call. <laughs> Great. Oh, and, good. Um, just, oh. And then, um, yeah, hope, hope you know, just keep her warm and dry, yeah. and enjoy it, and take her BB gun out to the to the blind so that she can, um, you know, feel you know part of it. I know that's what my dad did. Whenever they go upland hunting, I would always bring my BB gun along with me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd have to do everything the exact same. And I remember one time I was clicking my safety on and off. And, oh, I can't remember if that. it was my dad or old grandpa. And we're done. <laughs> what? We're done. Like, and took my took the BB gun oh, from me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was like, oh. Well, that's serious. how you learn, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you want spouses and significant others of hunters to know about hunting, about your passion for it. Be involved. We like it when you're involved. We like it when you ask questions. We like it when you, um, you know, I personally have probably my favorite morning ever of going out hunting was when you woke up that that one morning with us and <laughs> you were out there just giving all the boys hell, uh, drinking a cup of coffee and uh, everyone was jaw jacking and then you were like, all right, later losers, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> like that was like my favorite like prep ever. Oh, good. Well, um, I had so much fun going back to bed. So yeah, and then yeah, just you know, ask them to go out. Um, you know, when you when you know you see something like, yeah, of course we're going to be annoying at some point. Yes. Because we can't turn it off. It's like, it's an affliction. It's like a mental illness almost. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just don't. You can't turn it off. Yeah. You know, how many times have we been driving down the road and I'm like, oh my gosh, look, 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 look. And you're like, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, there's a pair of geese over there that are, and you're like, really? 
really. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've said that to you a lot, yeah. a lot of times while we're driving. So, but just show an interest in, in our passion mm-hmm. because it's super important for us, and we. Yeah, <laughs> it makes us feel a little better when we're sneaking out of the out of the house at three in the morning to mm. you know yeah. And ladies, our gentlemen, better your your significant other be sneaking out of the house at three thirty than sneaking in, as I always say. Oh God, so. yeah. I mean, in all actuality, I guess that is true, but still, geez. <laughs> what what a way to end this all. Uh, was, was that your last question? I think so. I mean, unless. I think that was all I had. Okay. Well, do you want to take a, a minute with me and help me thank our sponsors of the show real quick? Oh, sure. Okay. I guess I should learn who the sponsors are then. <laughs> okay. So first and foremost, we want to thank um, Hunt Hickory Creek. Uh, do you know who Hunt Hickory Creek is, babe? Yes, you have talked to me about them. Okay. Sounds good. So Hunt Hickory Creek, go ahead for... Uh, Hunt of a Lifetime, go ahead and head on over to HuntHickoryCreek.com or come to the uh, listeners group and you can hit Chase or Cody up. Um, they're the two waterfowl gurus that we have in there and uh, they'll show you a good time. Great hunts, uh, great people. So uh, Next we've got uh, Dive Bomb Decoys. Uh, like I said, Dive Bomb Decoys. Uh, babe, what, what would you say about Dive Bomb Decoys uh, products? Are they, are they the ones that are the, the 2D ones? Yep. They take up much less room. <laughs> much less room? Yes. What did you think about how quickly I put out? Uh, was it just five dozen I did? Yeah, it was crazy fast how, how quick you were able to get them all out in our yard and pick them back up. That was, to me, the most impressive thing. And honestly, the picture I put and post on Facebook, a few of, of my friends texted me and they asked me if those were actually real geese slash geese decoys. Yeah. They thought they looked 3D in my picture, so that was cool. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that before. All right, then we got Colorado Custom Game Calls. Yep, those are they're going to be our you know new call provider, okay. and yeah, they uh, they do all custom stuff. They put mm-hmm. they can put like corn, um, barley into like into the duck call. Oh, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so it looks yeah it looks pretty cool. So we've they got those. Remember I showed you those bands today? Yes, yeah, yeah. So. They're going to make one with Nadine's little name on there. Yeah, we can probably do something like that. Oh, and just so you know, um, both Dive Bomb Decoys and Colorado Custom Game Calls have 10% off promo codes. Uh, foul Front, um, undercase, uh, two words. Uh, so 10% off uh, both Dive Bomb Decoys and Colorado Custom Game Calls. Uh, we've also got Toe Tags LLC. Toe Tags LLC, uh, they're going to keep you legal this, this year. So go ahead and check them out, and that way you can um, be, you know, legal with all of your game tagging needs that you'll ever need. Pretty cool stuff. Go check them out at toetagsllc.com. We've also got freelancehuntstats.com, and that's uh, you know the freelance duck hunting uh, guy over there, Elliot, uh, Kansas boy. He has uh, got a, a website where basically you can. Log all of your your hunt details, oh, and cool. it'll spit it out and like to cool statistics mm-hmm. that you can see. And then you can also see um, everybody else's statistics, mm-hmm. not broken down, um, you know, by person. But but yeah, Very nice. so one more thing for me to tinker around mm-hmm. on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, and last but not least, we have DocsOutdoorSupplies.com. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, DocsOutdoorSupplies.com also has a 10% off uh, promo code uh, at FowlFront18, uh, all one word, and undercase. So DocsOutdoorSupplies.com is my dad's uh, outdoor supplies. Hi, got, Jeff. <laughs> hey. Um, you know, so he's got a lot of uh, motion decoys on there and anything else to get you basically out into the woods. And if you go over there, the price that you see when you click, that's all in. That's your all-in price. That's taxes, shipping, all that stuff. A lot of these other places, they'll give you the lowest. They'll show. They'll advertise a, a super low cost. And then when you're done, um, you, you're ending up a couple bucks over um, what you you know would be paying at DocsOutdoorSupplies.com. So uh, thank you for keeping the show afloat. And go ahead and you know. Go out and support those companies that are supporting, hopefully, your favorite podcast. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, you get some some good deals with uh, our affiliations with them. So, all right, babe, you got anything for the listeners? I got nothing. I've had my little glass of wine. I'm ready for bed. All right. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group. Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast Group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, we also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content I and mean, if you get in on that facebook group you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners so all right stay safe out there and we will see you next week Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither. But hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.